Uh, Hassan, how did you enjoy this episode? I enjoyed it very much, Josh. It was a it, you were in a very very good chilled mood today, which uh, which was good for me because obviously I was out late yesterday. Not that late. <laughs> I was, I was gentle with 10:30. you. Yeah, exactly. Tell the listeners what we talked about. We talked about middle aged dancing. Um, we talked <laughs> we talked about um, uh, the war in. Ukraine and you know how it's sort of impacting us and uh, society and you know the the effect it's having on us. Uh, what else did we talk about, Josh? Uh, we also talked about Boris Johnson still being uh, the prime minister, and we touched on one or two other subjects as well. But I thought today was quite. We explored with a a good level of curiosity, and actually, uh, it was quite nice because I wasn't ranty and uh, I was very calm. Very calm. I hope you. Maintain that through the week and uh, <laughs> into the weekend. It's because I'm sat on a beanbag. Has if people enjoyed this, they should come and follow us on Instagram at 115 Miles Pod. I hope everybody enjoys this episode, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs> this is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Growing up 115 miles apart, our lives couldn't have been more different, but we find ourselves today with many similarities and outlooks upon life. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture, and everything in between. Hassan, you're looking dreary-eyed this morning. (laughs) I'm dreary-eyed, fresh, I'm, I'm fresh of mind, dreary-eyed. We've hit record straight away today without having too much of a conversation because um, I know where you've been last night. But, but... I know what you did last summer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good film. What year? What year is I know what you did last summer? I reckon it was around 1998, is it? Mm, don't know. I reckon it's, yeah, maybe 99, 2000. And then they brought out the really um, artistically named number two, which was called, I still don't know what you did in this song. Good times. Tell us where you've been last night, Hass. I was out, out, Josh. I was out, you was out. out, out. Who did you go out, out with, by the way? With my crew, my mandem. <laughs> uh, no, I was, I was with uh, John and Guy and my mate Pascal. We went out. Oh, and, what a crew. All yeah, right. And yeah. so where did you go? Repping it middle class style. <laughs> <laughs> we went to see um we went to see uh, De La Salle in Brighton. Right. So I don't I didn't know, I still don't know. I mean I've just Googled it. But who are they? Tell me who they are. De La Salle are one of the seminal hip hop bands uh from New York, been around 30 years like some big bangers, some tunes. I thought you were into hip-hop. I thought you might know them. Well, cl- clearly not, mate. You, uh, have you heard of A Tribe Called Quest? No. Uh, okay. So to, how, how will people know who De La Soul are? Give us one of their hits. Me, Myself and I. Yeah. We're just getting named. Me, Myself and I. Was that not on a programme? Was that not the Probably. The it's probably been... Oh, there was a programme called Me, Myself and I, I think, actually. Oh, well, they must have named it after the De La Soul track. And they're a bit like Jurassic 5. Do you remember them? Yeah, same sort of like, yeah, same sort of era, um, good 
yeah sort of good vibe like that as well it was such a good night mate it was so good it was just, so good so <laughs> people don't know who you went with but i know who they are talk just talk me through <laughs> talk me through the type of person the type of clientele that were at this gig huh? why were you laughing thinking about the people i went with could they listen <laughs> to this because, as well yeah i know but it's just a funny crew you're all middle-aged men now going to this hip-hop concert what yeah. was it was are these concerts now full of other middle-aged men let's or just you... say let's just say it, it was like looking in the mirror uh <laughs> no there was look they've been around they've been around 30 years they're they're, they're like godfathers of hip-hop really so um yeah, there was a lot of people our age, but it was actually what was really surprising because they did a they're really good like showmen and like they did this like they kind of played with the crowd and stuff like that. And they were just like, um, if you're over 40, like scream and like obviously it was quite noisy. But then and then they were like, if you're 30 or under, make some noise. And we were thinking it was gonna be like a bit embarrassing, but it was there was a lot of there was a lot of youth in the place. So that was good. It's good vibes, mate. So a lot of dancing. What, did you dance in that, yeah? Yeah, I always you can't listen to music and not dance. What do you think? I just stand there like a totem pole. Just... I don't know. It was indoors, right? It was an indoor venue, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So were you down the front, sort of? How do you dance? Are you like a hand in the air to the beat, or is it? Bit of that, bit of that. And then they do this track called Engine Engine Number Nine, where you're down on the floor and you just boop, 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 and you jump up. So that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, it's definitely, I'm um, definitely, it really depends on the mood. Like I, I knew it was a Monday night. I knew I wasn't really going for it. So it was more, it was more head bopping and a little bit of dancing, not really going for it, but it was quite a small, it was quite a small club. It was quite busy. Where was I? I was sort of near the, near the front to the right. Yeah. It was good. Is it different to when you would have gone when you were in your early twenties? What do you mean? Well, do you act different? Are you are you as aware of like trying to look cool? Like because when I used to go out, yeah, I used to be like a proper dancer. I would proper dance, right? And I remember rhythm as a dancer. I, I was probably I was, it was probably influenced largely by alcohol, right? But I used to quite fancy myself as a bit of a dancer. Mm. And when I dance now, I feel really stupid. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, like I definitely reckoned for a while I could dance. Uh, when what I was last younger. night? Oh no! When you <laughs> uh, yeah, <there>. yeah, last <laughs> night. Uh, you know, when you got a bit of rhythm, you got a bit of rhythm. I don't think you need to worry about who's watching you. You know. Have you got a bit of rhythm, Hass? <laughs> well, if I've <laughs> if I've been lubricated a little bit, I got a bit. Of rhythm. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing so much here. I mean, I you know, I still go to festivals. Mate, let me just say, let me just say, it was a Monday night. I was feeling a bit tired. We've got a lot of work going on. I have to say, I was walking into it going, oh, I'm, you know, like, I'm I'm not sure. If, I'd rather have, like, the evening off or whatever. And then you get there and it's just, it's good vibes. People are up for it. Nice Monday night crowd, dancing. I don't know why you're laughing, mate. Because I thought you was going to say, you know, I was really busy and I wasn't really feeling it. And then I walked in and they dropped that dirty beat. <laughs> <laughs> Put a dunk on it. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, just it was re- good. I remember we used to go to in Swindon a place called Brunel Rooms, right? We used to go to a lot of like drum and bass raves there and garage raves there. And every now and then there was a place called the Amphi, which is where you went to get away from the music to chill out a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. like pretty much every rave, 
there would be what at the time you would think was a really old couple, right? Easily early to late thirties. Yeah. That were like, and you would sit and chat to them and they were like, yeah, we used to go out raving. We've come out for one last hurrah. And like, I remember, I really remember thinking if they were like in their late thirties, I remember thinking, wow, you are proper old and you're going out. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I laugh because, um, because that's what I remember of, you know, going out yeah. when I was younger, what you used to think of that age. And I know you are really old, but like me. Yeah, I'm, imagine what you would have thought of me if you bumped into me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would have, me and you would have frequented you, the same race. Oh, we probably you would and have guy, actually. You and yeah. Guy from Mavericks Unlimited, just a um, uh, skibber and shabba drum and bass rave. Skibber Trust D. me, at the, drum, at the drum and bass raves, I would have loved you. I I loved everybody. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> deeply. I'm sure, deeply, deeply. <laughs> infused with uh, chemicals. You were. So you're not that ropey today. You don't actually seem that ropey today. Mate. No, I'm fine. Yeah, no, just a bit tired. But yeah, no, it was it was really good, mate. I, I, look, I I think what was nice uh, was people were just relaxed, having fun. Yeah, one poor guy with a mask on. Um, but the crowd was, yeah, it was just like back to the old days, really. That was quite nice. Yeah. And after two years of it being like it was, you know, I mean, uh, what's the group called again? De La Sol. De La Sol. De La Sol. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their next career could have been in computer tech and they just didn't know it yet. What was the advert? Do you remember the advert? I have no idea what you're talking about. You're looking at me blankly. During the pandemic, the the Tories released that advert, do you remember, of like ballerinas and it it was like a ballerina. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where you were going with this, mate. It's a bit tenuous, but yeah. (laughs) They've like been around a long time. I think, you know, I think they they could probably withstand becoming ballerinas or chefs or whatever. (laughs) Anyway. I'm going to go where I wanted to go with the uh, with the podcast. Now I'm going to start by saying it's a it's a public service announcement. Actually, oh. okay. Boris Johnson is still the prime minister of our country. Has yeah, wartime. He's has, a wartime prime minister now, isn't he? Well, yeah, yeah, we're going to trying to make it himself out to be one anyway. Yeah, we're going to talk probably a little bit about that actually if we get there. But how do you feel about? Um, how does it make you feel to know that Boris Johnson is still the prime minister of our country? Do you know my honest point of view? I'm just being really like yeah. blatantly honest. I haven't thought about um, that at all. You know, I've been, I've been really um, disassociated with what a crook he is and how he's managing to stay uh, in, in government. I've been really, I've been more focused on what's going on in Ukraine and the rising cost of living and work has been really intense. So I haven't really gone, oh, Boris Johnson's getting away with it until you mention it again now. And I'm like, oh yeah, Boris Johnson's still getting away with his shit. Yeah. And do you not think it's crazy though? And, and, And I'm the same, by the way, I sort of, the only reason I've really raised it today is because I've spent a bit of time thinking what am I going to talk about on the podcast yeah, today? Right? Yeah, yeah. And then I thought to myself, <clears throat> I wonder how many times, and I don't have the technology, the time or the patience to go through every podcast we've ever done. And by the way, I think we're somewhere around two years, mate. Did we not start this in March? Don't know. 
Thanks. So we don't even know when we started it, but I wonder about how many, two years coming up to two years. I wonder how many times in that two years we have asked each other the question or explored. Do you think this will be the end for him? Yeah. And I think the way that you feel about it is quite reflective of how a lot of people are with it. And do you not think that's a little bit worrying? Yeah, it's extremely worrying, Josh. It's a bit it like, um, you know, like in, in football analogy coming here, but, you know, if you don't start booking somebody for late tackling, in the end, you think, well, fair play to him. He's not getting booked for it, so just keep doing it, right? He must be rubbing his little greasy hands together, thinking, I can't believe I just keep getting away with... I mean, if you look at, like, Partygate, how long ago was that, right? The fact mm. that he partied his way through that. Mm. And... um. He's got away with that. Completely. I think, but I think the boat's been missed on that. It's going to be very difficult to bring that up. No one's bringing it up, you know, and they know that, right? Labour's not talking about it anymore. The papers aren't talking about it anymore. Why do you they, think that is? Because he can, because he, he can deflect. This is what the Tories are absolutely brilliant at. Is now he can make it all about. Well, I've got to, you know, we've got this the threat of World War Three going on. Like, why are you talking about that stuff? Do you not care yeah. about the country? Yeah, that's yeah, what he can do. Yeah. And like, honestly, like he was on the ropes, man. He was like on the ropes. And then, you know, this is, you know, this is what's going on now. Um, I am, I am hoping that, you know, at some point something happens. Um, and Labour, you know, Keir Starmer, you know, Who's that? Yeah, he's a guy. He's just a guy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, that he 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 holds him to task again. Labour Party, his own party. But at the moment, it doesn't look like it's going to happen for a while. And like, where's the police report that's supposedly supposed to be coming out? Like, they're, they're in such cahoots, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And I do think, like, even if you um, if you were to raise it. I think a lot of people would actually react to a little bit adverse, right? It would be a little bit like, why are you still going on about party gate or whatever you want to call it when all this other stuff's going on, right? I, feel I, like mean, it, it, I mean, I think that they would be the same people that wouldn't be agreeing with us even before this stuff was going on, you know? Because I think if, if, I don't think too many people who were outraged at what was going on would have changed their view Mm. Uh, so much to say why are you going on about it I think they'll, they'll be a bit like me going oh yeah I know but like what can you do it's a bit more like that than, than I mm. imagine you know the opposite um, so uh, yeah I don't know I, don't, I, I mean I, 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 I what do you think what do you like what do you think of, of the fact that we're not talking about and he's still in power I think I just think it's um, I think a lot of people and I, like, I know this is always, will have always been the case with politics. Like, you could always say that people have become a little bit apathetic and it's kind of, like, hard to uh, trust any of them, all that kind of narrative. But I do actually think, I think if you went round and spoke to a group of random people, I think most of them would just think, be a little bit like, and for the purpose of people that are listening, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sort of waving my hands up in the air as a kind of, well, 
whatever. You know what I mean? Who else is going to do it? It don't, like, yeah, he partied through it, but in like, I, I do think people have become a little bit like that with politics. Yeah, and when and when you've got somebody like Boris Johnson at the helm, in a way, it's quite worrying. It because if if somebody's not getting punished or 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 called out or uh, any kind of retribution when they do what they want, then in the end, you sort of think, I can't blame them. Yeah. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? Because everyone's, yeah. he's allowed to get away with it. Why would he? I mean, one of the recent things I, I, I heard is that he had a secret meeting with a load of donors and some of them were from Russia. Oh, like, and, and, and this was after he'd started implementing all these sanctions. And that was just like, I saw that as, a, as an article on Twitter and like people are just not even that bothered by it. It's just sort of, like there is a feeling and there's a sense of what's the point in being bothered by it. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, I definitely think people are ambivalent towards it. And, um, and you don't, you don't see any, it's the, you know, it's the wrong people that are always punished. It's the wrong people, you know? So for example, they haven't retracted any of the, any of the fines that people had to pay. Some had to pay significant fines for breaking lockdown rules and they haven't retracted any of those at the same time. They haven't uh, made people pay them, you know, with within with, within Parliament either. You know, who were doing mm. it. So, just always going after the man, uh, like the small people, really. Yeah, yeah. Have you been uh, uh, talking of that? I wasn't actually necessarily going to go here, but you talked about like energy bills and stuff like that. Have you had all the letters through the door of all your bills going up? Yeah, yeah. And like I think we all have, and. For some, it's you know. So for some, you you know, if you if you were luckily you know somewhere before it got bought or merged with another company, then you might just be okay. But we'll all be leveled up. It's crazy, you know. And again, we always talk about our privilege, right? And um, and you know, I'm I I may for the time being be able to withstand that that change. Um, that's coming, but a lot of people, this, this will push them into poverty. This mm. will push them into, they were probably already on the edge and this will push them into below the poverty line. And that's just not acceptable in an economy, the size of ours and a world, you know, a world quote unquote developed country. Yeah. the I think Economically the, developed country. We're the yeah. fifth richest democracy yeah. in the world, I think. Yeah. I like four, four, five years ago when, uh, before I left my last job, this would have what's happened, the, the change that we've had in like our council tax, our energy bills, our energy bill has gone up a um, hundred pound a month. Yeah. That's mental. Yeah. hundred pound. Like, and seriously, to, just to, to finish what I was saying, before I left my old job, this would have crippled us. I mean, yeah. actually, I don't want to overplay, overstate. We would have been able to survive. Yeah. But I would, we would have had to make some serious changes in yeah. the ways in which we lived our life. Yeah. Very, like, very serious changes into the way in which we lived our life because of the way that we used to live. So I dread to think what it's doing for some people. Um, and again, uh, look, I've deleted all the news apps, so I'm not. Re- I, I keep a. I like uh, purposely try to stay out of the news now. Generally speaking, 
But I feel like there's not really much heat coming for that either. There's almost like a, well, it's where we are. Well, it's, it's, there's an element of, there's an element of truth to, you know, connecting it to what's going on in, in sort of global geopolitics, right? So our reliance on oil provided by Russia is significant, Russia amongst others, right? But our reliance, um, the global, because of what's going on, the prices are going up. And so there's, a, there's, an, there's an impact. But who's making money here are these big energy companies. They're, they're mm. making soaring profits and their CEOs and C-suite executives are taking record, you know, record remuneration home. So there's just something really, really disgusting about this. You know, it's a bit like you've talked about, you know, pharma companies have made record profits through COVID, mm. right? Someone always makes money out of um, recessions and economic depressions and, you know, high inflation. Someone always makes money or people, companies make money. Yeah, it's, it, uh, and it's crazy. On, on, on the subject of the, of the war, I've sort of... When I thought about like what I was going to talk about, we, you know, we, we do this podcast. This podcast is set up to have the difficult conversations, right? So I don't want to avoid talking about it. And I recognize I feel very underqualified to talk about it. So I want to <clears throat> just ask on, on, a, on a more of a personal level. So for yourself and the people that you interact with. So I'll ask you yourself first. And then I want you to kind of reflect on the people that you interact with in your work as well. How emotionally, how do you feel affected by what's going on? And are you seeing any trends or commonalities in the way that the people that you work with and interact with are impacted by it? Um, all right. <laughs> Personally speaking, I'm really affected by what's going on in the world generally speaking i feel like we're we're you know we're at a very dark moment in 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 what i can sort of remember as an adult i don't feel like we've been in a a, a situation of such grave danger globally since i can remember and obviously it was like you know, it was Cold War of the 80s, but we, we were too young to kind of remember the impact of that. Um, and then, you know, and I'm sort of, I'm sort of trying to, you know, one of my strengths is strategic mindedness. So I sort of, I, I, I like um, the kind of almost sort of visualizing the future and thinking, okay, where do we, where can we go from here? It's very difficult to see where we can go from here. Um, because in a, in a world where Russia can't be kind of one of the superpowers, one of the big countries, because it can't anymore at the moment, uh, unless there's a regime change or something like that, or, you know, the West isn't giving Putin, nor, nor should they, um, I suppose, based on what he's doing currently, a way back. But if he doesn't have a way back, then it's kind of a dangerous place. So what what I'm worried about is the impact of what we don't know. Like, we know what we know. We know mm. what we don't know, and then we don't know what we don't know, right? And that's the thing that probably get, doesn't, I wouldn't quite say it keeps me up at night, but it makes me think, okay, where do we go from, from here? I think um, I'm also conflicted in the way that the, um, 
you know, this started to emerge from kind of right at the beginning when, when, when all this started to happen. Just the way that um, there's a disproportionate um, resonance with what's going on here versus, you know, when Syria was bombed or when Afghanistan was bombed or when kind of Middle East um, societies were carpet bombed by either Western countries or Russia. And it's just, it's not, you know, it's not like um, considered uh, the same impact. And, and I think there's, there's something that's a bit of a, a conflict for me around that, you know, like people suffer um, regardless of their color or race or kind of ethnicity, but it's just not treated in the same way by the Western media, by, um, by people kind of who are following it. What I would say is in those in those sort of situations like Syria, Afghanistan, it probably felt quite contained. It didn't feel like this could le lead to global um, kind of global war, whereas I feel like this is probably the closest it feels to, to escalating towards a proper global war, particularly if China get involved. So there's sort of um, stuff going on there. In terms of, you know, people in my network and communities, like obviously there are, impacts from a business point of view so people are having to have clients who have uh colleagues uh and uh offices in in the region that's affected and like um it's really it's it's real you know when you know when they have to when their colleagues are trying to you know fight for their country uh, or you know are uh, uh, struggling for money or food or whatever that's a real thing you know somebody that you were talking to just a month ago about I don't know advertising or something and then suddenly their, their world's been turned upside down so there's um there's genuine concern for people you know um who they know and I think we're all a bit like well where do you go you know where does it go next um, because no one can really see you hope that there's diplomacy going on behind the scenes um but you just don't know really so that's yeah that's... You, yeah you've covered quite a lot there i mean one of the things that um i always struggle a little bit with is the levels of hypocrisy in when things like this happen particularly when you talk about the things like like the iraq war right and and i want to confess uh my naivety in, in exploring this a little bit because I don't know full facts and I have like done a little bit of like research and looking at some of the facts but when I look at the way like they reckon and actually let me just get it up so that I can read a fact that I was reading earlier so this is from the Watson Institute right International Public Affairs Brown University who look at the costs of war and they say that there's been between 184,382 to 207,156 Iraqi civilians killed because of the war in Iraq, right? So, mm. and they say that that's a gross underestimate because it's probably come from the US, right, on, mm -hmm. on the estimates. And when they do like randomized testing of like villages or whatever in Iraq, they, the, the, the estimates would be much higher than that. And what like I struggle with a little bit and what I, I guess from a like trying to understand human behavior perspective is why we seem to be so um, what's, I don't know what the word is that we were way more, let me word it this way, perhaps differently apathetic about the war in Iraq. 
right, than we are about the war that's going on in in Ukraine with Russia invading Ukraine, right? Yeah. And you look at like sanctions, for example, that are happening to Russia. I mean, when you look at some of the facts that I can see from the Iraq war, I feel like we probably should have had sanctions as well. Right. So it like you talked a little bit about race and whether it, you know, how much it has to do with race, how much it has to do with um, the threat of world war as a result. So maybe because what we were doing to Iraq, there was never really any threat or didn't feel like direct threat in the way that it does with this war. And then when you look at things that go on in like Palestine and um, I saw somebody talking about how um, after some bombings in Palestine uh, at the World Cup or something, they wanted them to wear black bands or some, you know, a, a, an equivalent of. And FIFA said no, because politics has no place in football. And yet the sanctions that you're seeing for Russia, I just don't like, I struggle a little bit with why that is and where that comes from. And sometimes I think we we have a, it feels like a certain level of arrogance. I get a bit like, who do we, who are we to, to even point at, you know, we've made Putin this uh, horrific figure. That he is, right? And we recognise that what's going on in Ukraine is uh, awful. And, you know, war is, for me, never okay and all that kind of stuff. But I just, I don't know, I struggle with that. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I think it's, it's a really interesting thing because I think perspective is a really important point to cover in this, right? Which is the the perspective that played out in Western media was about saviour. You know, it was about saving from a despot, saving from somebody who um, used chemical warfare on his own people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there is obviously, there's always been lots of conspiracy theories around pipelines and oil and all that sort of stuff, which, um, you know, uh, around Iraq, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it almost feels like the, uh, the moment to have gone in uh, around say Iraq should have been several years before, not kind of when it was, but again, like you, I don't really know enough of the history to, you know, to, to talk about it with, um, with a lot of leadership, but I think uh, the perspective was, you know, we're going to save the people and, and, you know, bring stability in the region and that sort of stuff. Whereas the thing that I think that feels so heinous is that just somebody like Putin is just invading a country. And so it is more akin to what was going on in the late thirties, you know, with, uh, with uh, Nazi Germany in that it's just, it's just, accumulating land um and it's a, it's a sovereign nation and you're just basically going in and, and taking it there is hypocrisy but but that's kind of so the perspective the reason we are so indignant about it is because we're seeing the media played out in this way whereas if you think about probably what's going on in russia and the way that they are talking about it they are probably talking about you know a similar thing to their people so their people Russians will probably view it slightly differently than the rest of the world is. Um, so, so I think perspective is a big thing. And then the other thing is like this, yeah, the race thing you just touched upon is it feels, you feel, it feels less connected when you think about a, a country that isn't, you know, that isn't so close to where the people don't look like 
the majority of people look. Yeah. Um, and there's just, you know, different values, Western values versus Eastern values and, you know, and, and things like that. It just, it, it, there's just a level of disconnect, but we've talked about that. It isn't just about what's going on here. There's always, you know, a disconnect if, if it just doesn't feel as resonant to you. Um, and I think a lot of that is unconscious. I don't think it's uh, consciousness. It's just, it's unconscious. Um, but then the FIFA thing, yeah, that's, that is total hypocrisy. <laughs> you can't defend that really no 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 you can't when it when you get to the levels of 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 what it is in fifa and stuff like that it's indefensible there but i do like you i think a lot of what we're talking about in the way in which we view this stuff is quite unconscious which again is like when you look at the some of like to reflect on some of the things that you just said like the narrative that they're hearing in russia right and I don't know, this might be hugely naive of me to say, but generally speaking, might not be too dissimilar to the narrative that we heard when we first evaded Iraq. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. you know, you, you yeah. know, like when we first evaded Iraq, most people were like, this is what we need to do. This is absolutely yeah. the right thing to do, right? Yeah. And so the Russians are probably thinking the same, right? And it shows you the level of control that any type of media has. And, you know, I really, the, the, the level of change in my own emotional state from um, consciously not allowing myself to read mainstream media anymore. Actually, that's not true. Not to not read it, but to um, uh, get my news sources as sporadically as I can. So from different places and actually start to try and read um, different things about it. It just shows the level you know, even to the point of when I look at, uh, they're on about taking in refugees now, aren't they? Right. A lot of people are on about taking, like that would never have happened in, for the Iraq war. Right. Yeah. It just, people would never have done it. And, you know, you've just had Boris Johnson. I don't know if you saw him compare, have you heard him compare? Have you heard what he said? Yeah. Com comparing, uh, uh, the sort of the def Ukrainians defending their country to the uh, and making it as like a similar act of um, speaking your voice and creating your independence for Brexit, right? Something along those lines, right? Let me just let me just read it for the people that are because I have got it here. Okay, uh, he said, "I know it's the instinct of the people of this country, like the people of Ukraine, to choose freedom every time, and I can give you a couple of famous recent examples." When British people voted for Brexit in such large numbers, I don't believe it was because they were remotely hostile to foreigners. It's because they wanted to be free to do things differently and for this country to be able to run itself. Um, and then he also went, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he also goes on to the second example he gives is, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but is taking up the vaccine. And he likens it to that. I just think we've got such an arrogance in like when I dive down into the hypocrisy that we talk about. Yeah. And like how we kind of, I don't know, take a moral high ground within the media. I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about, there's a, a lots of incredible people that because they're nice people are actively trying to do good things for the people of Ukraine and, you know, power to them. We need people like that. I just think the level of hypocrisy without any kind of self-reflection in it 
from the media. It, I just, it just, I, I just find it worrying, you know, when you go back over some of it, and I don't mean to unearth other conversations, but when we go to the level of um, uh, anger that people feel about certain people and wanting to kind of cancel them for saying one or two wrong things, the way in which the mainstream media seem to get away with it. And you know what upsets me a lot is if you talk about being slightly against the mainstream media, it's become quite a perceived right-wing ideology a little bit. You know, like a lot of the people that you see online talking about don't listen to the mainstream media tend to be like, like yeah. quite hard right, right-wing people. Yeah, or, 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 yes, or con- conspiracy theorist types or fr- fringe, you know, more, more on the fringes than... Yeah, um, yeah. Than just say normal people are just saying, you know, what I put, what I prefer is what you said, which is getting your sources of information from many sources as opposed to one source. And I'm not very good at that because I, again, I probably just feed into whatever I feel is um, tonally, uh, tonally uh, resonant for me. So there's a whole bunch of newspapers and media that I'll never go near. And there's, there's a few that I might be interested in, but mainly um, there's kind of one or two sources that I go to for, for, for my news. Um, so I, I think it is important to, to, to find many sources and, and from different parts of the world, yeah. you, to, you can't just sort of pick it up from, you know, us outlets and, and UK and European. It's really hard as well, right, to not um, seek news that supports your current narrative. Now, to give you an example, I was doing a little bit of research this morning about the Iraq war, right? And, like, to talk you through what my research wanted to be, I started at the point of the Iraq war was illegal, right? Mm. So then I Googled, was the Iraq war illegal? Mm -hmm. And I, the first article I landed on was the Iraq war was not illegal. Yes, it was a huge strategic mistake. And here's why. And I recognized my first thought was, this is a fucking stupid article. And I went to click off it and go, no. And what I was going to do is go back to try and find another article that would support my narrative that I wanted to yeah, bring here. Wow. Interesting. So, yeah. so you see, yeah. So then yeah. I had to read it and then it becomes very, very difficult because you have to think of algorithms and stuff like that. Yeah. So to, to properly research, I would then have to look at who's writing this article. Where do they get their credibility from? Can yeah. I find a counter article? Um, it's not easy, man. It's a minefield. Well, also time, time is important, right? 100%. Yeah. Cause, Cause you were like, I need to kind of, you know, I need to gather a bit of um, a perspective on this before we go in and have a chat today. And so you were, you were like, okay, what, how do I, how do I get a talking point? Right. That gives me and has something to jump off of. Um, But actually really what we need to be doing is if it's an interest, I don't necessarily mean just for this podcast, but actually if we want to get a balanced perspective, we need to create the time so that we do, do go and look at those articles. And then what we need to do is draw our own insights. Mm. So if you look at the design thinking approach, um, it really splits out research from insights. 
So in, in the whole pr uh, process of kind of developing a new product or service, there's something called design sprint. And there's a sort of a design, uh, a research, uh, an insights phase, and then there's a sort of a ideation and then prototype phase. Uh, but the research part is separate from the insights part. So you're almost like, okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to ex explore, I'm going to consume. Okay, let me take a little break. What does that, what's coming up for me? What does that mean? What is... Uh, what are the things that are not quite being said, but I'm seeing threading through? That's when you develop your insights. But we don't have time because we've already talked about how busy we are, how bombarded we are with information. Like, what was it we read in um, in Stolen Focus? Is it something like we're, we are bombarded with information at such a rate that we're reading the equivalent of something like 170 newspapers a day? Yeah. It's constant. So when do you kind of take a moment to go, oh, like, what, what could the truth be? You know, and that's why yeah. you've got to take the time for the bigger pieces. So I am interested more in, for example, you know, when we've been in a similar situation like we are at the moment, where like all global powers are sort of on a knife edge, right? What patterns have emerged in the past that kind of gets us away from it again? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and that's... It yeah. gives you an interesting like way to go. One of the things that I've done since Stolen Focus, um, since reading that book, has been to because um, I like I'm I'm opinionated, right? It's part of like who I am. I love having an opinion and then having a good old debate. But something that I've consciously tried to start to do is think to myself, only formulate an opinion if I'm willing to go and research it. And by coming away from all the news app and not having any like way to gather news instant on my phone. I now like, for example, with the war uh, that's going on, I have rather than get too involved in it, I've thought I will only formulate opinions when I start to do a little bit of research. And I, what I've done is actually stayed away from a lot of the news things that go on now, unless it pricks my ear. And then if it pricks my ear, I have to go in and make uh, information gather. Yeah. I don't have a news app to go and get it from. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing in that book, because obviously what what happened was the the author he went yeah and Harry he he went um, he went somewhere where where he had to unplug he couldn't have yeah. that constant connectivity and that was part of its design. But remember he talked about when he read the newspaper it was like how we used to read the newspapers it was reported news as opposed to where what we live at the moment which is almost high drama constant like need for knowing what's going on in the moment right mm -hmm. so so it's not news it's just kind of saying what they're seeing right but actually news is often where you've seen what's happened then you've kind of gathered the insight that's why um i don't know let's take a football analogy when you're sort of following the bbc tracker you can't really get a picture of the game right if, yeah. you're, if you're not watching it but then actually you get a much picture a better picture of the game the following day when they've been able to really write about the ebb and flow of the game and what happened. So actually, I think um, doing more of that is um, is uh, is really important. However, we've been conditioned to want news instantly. So, for example, I tried it. I tried it one weekend because I don't buy that. I used to. It used to be almost a ritual on Sundays mornings. Used to get the papers and just read through, read the magazines, read, you know, and I tried it recently and I just got bored. 
Yeah. I bought, I bought Sunday papers um, and I just didn't feel like I had the time. I felt it was indulgent to just sit down and read the paper and relax. Mm. So we've just conditioned ourselves to be fast consuming on the go and, and just sitting down and just, you know, pouring over newspapers for a couple of hours on a Sunday just felt really indulgent. And I was, bored, yeah. to be honest, I just like just flick through it. And, and I, and I hadn't, you know, I consciously hadn't, looked through the news because I might have normally seen it online because I thought, oh, let me just try and look at it. I just, I just didn't engage with it. Yeah. I've been, as a result of getting rid of all the news apps, right, which I've done for a few, like it's been a few months now, probably a couple of months, I'm reading so much more because what I find is, is when I'm at home and I'm actively not scrolling. So I'm very purposely trying to not scroll. So in my mind, I'm like, if I'm sat down at home and I feel that, urge to scroll or do something yeah I, i'm like i'll pick up my book so i force myself to pick up my book and what and what i found from doing that is um if i'm if i don't actually want to read i'll read a page and then think no that's i'm i don't want to read yeah and then i'll go and be present in my home yeah right mm. so it actually becomes like a, a fork in the road mm. And if I do want to read, I'll read, right? Carry on, yeah. Yeah, and then what, you know, because of what I tend to read, what I find is, is that, I, you know, it enlightens me because I'm re- I'm always reading something that's kind of focused on, you know, yeah, self-exploration and that kind of stuff. So it's been really useful for me in that sense. Where do you read? Do you, like, stay in the office and read? Or do you, like, try and read with, around the kids? Mm, no, well, look, during the working day, I don't have time to scroll yeah. anymore genuinely yeah. don't yeah yeah um because of the life circumstances that we've talked about um but at home i carry my book around so my book will be next to the bed then when yeah. i go when i go down in the morning i take my book will come down with me into yeah. the kitchen while i put the yeah. coffee on and do you read then, one book at a time yeah uh so you don't like pick up lots of different books. Uh, it's a very annoying trait of mine even if if i get a certain distance into i find it very hard to stop reading a book and I will trudge through a book till the end, even if I'm not enjoying it because I've started it mm. and I won't. And I will, sometimes I will trudge quickly for a book that I don't like because I can't wait to read the next one that I've got, but I can't pick it up until I finish the one that I've got. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, it's, it's an annoying trait. For who? For me. Then change it. Uh, Why are you being so fixed minded about it? Oh, f- don't come at me with your coaching bullshit. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> like, like just change it try it uh it it hurts my head it would hurt my head man i just would i would it, i would feel very i feel very uncomfortable if i start another book and i've not finished another one and i've read some real bouters and by bouters i mean real shite books that are big thick books yeah and i've got to the end of them and it's it's silly because i couldn't tell you anything about them so you just kind of read it cover to cover just so you can say you've completed it and you can move on i think there's a bit of that as well yeah yeah. i think to have i used to be like it with computer games yeah do you know what you could do is uh there's an app called blinkist you ever come across this blinkist it's basically it does like really quick summaries of books and so what you could do is you can just quickly scan through a book and go do i like the sound of that okay cool let me go and invest in it so it's a different way so instead of you getting to the end of the book and going oh that was a waste of my time Actually, you have a quick look at a book and say, oh, that that resonates. That speaks to me. Check if it's on Blinkist. 
it literally takes like eight what? minutes to look through this blink and it summarizes the book for you and then you think there's all oh, there's some interesting nuggets there then you go and go right i'm going to go and get that book and really dive into it oh no because then you're you're relying on somebody else's opinion aren't you somebody else's perception of the book yeah that's true yeah. But like, it, 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 I think it mainly pulls out facts or key points. So if you say, see a model or see a frame of reference, I don't know how subjective it is, but obviously there's a level of subjectivity to the way it's done. Good point though, I think, yeah. But that's it. You just take, you take it at its like raw form and you go, all right, do, is that something I want to invest in? I just think you'd save a lot more time than your method. I don't think people are going to buy into it, has And for that reason, uh, it's a I, very I, successful app. For that, re- for that reason, I uh, don't want to hear anything else from you. For that reason, I'm out. Uh, have you been watching that? Have you been watching Dragon's Den still? <laughs> oh, so really good. Uh, yeah, I do. And actually, my eldest, Nora, she really likes it. I think she, you know, she maybe she's got a bit of an entrepreneurial gene or something. But yeah, we watch it together. She hates Stephen Bartlett. Does she? Yeah, she thinks he's a knob. Why? Just because he's kind of full of himself and a bit try hard. Yeah, I've built I've built social three hundred million social media company. <laughs> nah, um, I uh, he I always think- he doesn't care he doesn't care whether your business should be yeah. direct to person or not. Yeah. He's like yeah. it should be. You yeah. should be able to if you can't make an Instagram advert out of it, it's a shit business. Yeah, what I really like about him, I think it was in a recent one where he didn't invest, but he said. And, and I think Tuca was like asking for 30% for 50 grand or something. He was like, don't give away 30% of your company for 50 grand. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I thought, wow. Like normally there's a sort of an unspoken rule. Don't, you know, don't tread on each other's toes. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's good. I think that that is good actually. Cause that is, I, I think about it sometimes you think, what value do you think you're getting when you're, when you get that, that little money for such a high percentage of your company? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they uh, they almost bully him a little bit. I think on there yeah. to doing that. Yeah, uh, you've brought Stephen Bartlett up, and we're sort of coming uh, towards time here. And so I don't really, I don't want to open the can of worms, but I will open it slightly. I did listen to the podcast with um, Matt Hancock. Yeah, he and and you're right. He let him off the hook, didn't he? He, he let, did. He didn't. It didn't dig him. No, he didn't. Yeah, shame. I, I think, uh, yeah, for those of our listeners who haven't um, um, heard the interview, uh, I do encourage them to go and listen to it because it is fascinating because you've got somebody um, who I think Matt Hancock thinks what he was doing was right. I think he he's kind of got Stockholm Syndrome. I think he believes in the mission and he's convinced himself that he was good, but he's, he's fundamentally uh, a, a politician. And the way that the, um, uh, the way that Stephen Bartlett did, you know, oh, sorry, his company uh, did the, the promotion for the podcast that you, you, it made you think that he really held him to task, but actually he didn't at all. And there were moments where he really should have kept going. And I think that's the difference between, like, this is obviously a very successful guy who's had a very successful podcast, but there's a difference between sort of investigative journalism and, you know, people like, you know, uh, you know, Ma and Dimbleby and Fiona Bruce, who 
know how to keep going, you know, and and kind of, you know, put them on the edge of their seats. And I just don't think he, d- he did that, really. Yeah, you could tell his side of him that was sort of wanted to be liked. Definitely. It came yeah. out a little bit too much and he didn't yeah. think about how much. How many times were you sick in your mouth when um, he said, "I'm just so in love with her, with the woman that he's yeah. now with"? I mean, I mean, maybe end, that maybe, maybe that's true, but like it just, <laughs> at the end, he just kept saying it. Yeah. I was like, "Give it a rest, mate." Oh, we yeah. understand, right? That you uh, you, that you know what it. he's doing though. He's he's starting his campaign for getting back into politics by doing stuff like that. You know, I'm a man of the people, and you know, and so I genuinely think we'll see Matt Hancock back in politics and. All big forgiven and forgotten in not too distant. He'll probably want to try and get back into the cabinet at some point soon. And why not? You can do what you want without any retribution in there, has. So uh, get, him, get him back in there. I really, just to let the listeners know, I really wanted to talk about um, what happened at PO today, but we've kind of run out of time. I think, it, you know, it, it's a shame as well because you're known globally as one of the leading HR directors, aren't you, Hess? That's so true. I'm, 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 in, I'm in the top 1% of uh, HR directors. Globally. I'm surprised you weren't on the news talking about it when it happened. Yeah, well, I was busy dancing <laughs> for Della Sol. Someone give us a comment. Sorry, I can't. Oh, I <laughs> I'm dancing with other middle-aged people. <laughs> Do you know what? I also wanted to talk a little bit about the Kardashian thing as well. Did you see that? Yeah, we're doing we're doing like a blinkist review of them. Instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick, uh, quick, quick fire round. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, any opinion on Kim Kardashian? I think what you said was right. I think women are disproportionately um, attacked for what they say versus um, what men say. I, I absolutely believe that um, the media targets successful women. I also think. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with Molly May. I have the same point of view. When you have uh, such a reach, there is a there is a higher level of responsibility. What I will also say, and I, you know, I, I think the way that she delivered it was uh, tone deaf. However, you don't you don't get to a billion a billion dollar sort of business. Um, by not working hard like it's a different kind of it's a different yeah. kind of work and of course you've yeah. got loads of assistants and all that sort of stuff it's no different to a ceo running a you know a multi-million dollar business who's going to have a you know probably a several assistants and yeah. probably got a personal chef and probably got a pt and a nanny like you know th- these people um have it so i think there's probably i think could have been delivered in a in a in a in a different way you know um it's almost like saying I work, no, none of your work, like people are afraid to work. I think it was just the way it came out and, and it was probably cut in a particular way as well, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I actually don't think it was delivered in a tone-deaf manner. I think, right. it was, I think it was heard by a lot of people in a tone-deaf manner. Maybe. And I, and I actually, just quickly, because I do think this is like a really important point of what I see. Um, people hear what they want to hear sometimes or people yeah. hear what she was it was a business interview and like you know she probably has loads of hangers on around her and they asked her what's your thing in business and she probably she's like you know it feels like people don't want to work anymore you gotta work if you want it you gotta work and i d- did a thing on linkedin and lots of people saying she's got no right to tell me that i need to work harder and i'm like she wasn't telling you and actually in a way 
is it a little bit arrogant of us all to always think like I I don't want to live in a world where everyone needs to really think okay I know it's a business interview but don't get too passionate I'll tell you you what if you say everyone when actually what you mean is a lot of people then you're going to upset people and that's not fair and I have a level of responsibility in what I say I actually think no we all have a level of responsibility in what we hear and she didn't mean everyone. I think it's obvious she didn't mean everyone. And if it's triggered you to make you think that she meant everyone, then that's on you and it's not really her fault. That's what how I see it. Um, I think, yes, I agree with how we hear is, is our responsibility. And if it triggers us, then it probably says something about how we feel. And I think we're not, at, we're not even, you know, at the beginning of the journey around... Uh, the impact of influencer, like, you know, like we're still at a very early stage of, of com- communications, um, uh, like scale that, that, that these people have now, like we're still relatively early in the journey around that. But, you know, somebody like Kim Kardashian, maybe even 15 years ago, wouldn't have had the same sort of reach to so many people in a direct way. Mm. Like it would have been reported via the news or interviews or something like that. Whereas, so I do think there's probably something that needs to be explored. Um, but speaking of arrogance, I do think um, your T-shirt is extremely arrogant, which says, be me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You love yourself, don't you? It says, be me, uniquely made. Um, has, this is a T-shirt for a charity that I was sent to raise awareness oh, of the charity. That's brilliant. <laughs> that's really good. I really support that. But actually... <laughs> but actually... <laughs> It does show you that take anything out of context. Oh, look at the that. Be me, the Be Me campaign was like be unapologetically you, right? It was yeah. for a charity. It was a charity. Yeah. Uh, which actually, very interestingly, was predominantly for um, about to tell women, be whoever you want to be. be yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to. Wow. Uh, look at that. Uh, fabricate who you are. That circular conversation. So, it, you know, you have a level of responsibility, has in what you. <laughs> That's what I say online. Take it back. To what you say online. I think, you know, with the reach that you have, you have a responsibility to do your research. My 150 uh, Instagram followers. <laughs> yeah, 151. As we're there. We're reasons to be cheerful, mate. Uh, I'm going to start with you. Have you got one for me? Uh, my reason to be cheerful is going out on a Monday night and dancing and uh, not expecting to uh, uh, to have so much fun as I did. Good. I, and I'm very pleased nice to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no title for you either. No. My, my reasons to be cheerful is going to be, it's, it's football, mate. Uh, I scored on Saturday and I was man of the match. And um, the feeling... Be me. The, be the, the feeling... The... <laughs> exactly. The feeling that it creates. And my son scored an overhead kick on Sunday from outside the box. The box is small at his age. And my other boy got man of the match as his goalkeeper. And oh. just the bu- the buzz in the house this weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the of Connolly's. Was just, yeah. was Brilliant. so good, mate. We were all so buzzing. So, uh, yeah. There's a good goal, good Josh. You mate. scored. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good goal, isn't it? Yeah. Glancing header. Yeah. A bit like Alisson's header in the last minute against yeah. West Brom. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mine was better. But, um Yes, very good conversation, Has. Very much enjoyed it today. Do you want to finish with your bay? No. <laughs> <laughs> See you all next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan. Oh,